Today I want to talk about in this series as we work on these goals, something that's really on my heart recently is the subject of money. It's a series that we're doing called Money Matters. And did you know that there are over 2,300 verses of scripture in the Bible alone about money? I think it's interesting that nearly half of Jesus' parables were about possessions or stewardship, and that the Bible is filled with absolute wise counsel about financial living and the way to live. I'm so thankful that we can not just know about you know, money, but know how important it is to the Lord. And it's important to him because actually Jesus in his own ministry talked more about this stewardship than he did actually heaven and hell combined. And I think if what we hear the words of Dr. Billy Graham, he said, if a person hits their attitude towards money correct and straightened out, it will affect every other area of their life in a positive way. And of course, Dave Ramsey says it better than anybody. He says, doing a budget means hearing a, doing a budget means learning a very powerful powerful word, an ancient word called no. (laughs) Isn't that true? And so many people just sort of live from paycheck to paycheck. They sort of survive. They sort of just, you know, hope that they can make it. But I want to show you and want to take, again, not just to talk about necessarily tithing, but more so about stewardship, how God wants to be your only source. As we look at 2 Timothy chapter, I mean, 1 Timothy chapter 1, beginning in verse number 6, some interesting verses of scripture here that sometimes are taken out of context or misrepresented. I just want to take these scriptures for a couple of minutes, Pastor Peter. Peter Chapman, who's a guest with us today, a dear friend of mine, is a, just a, a financial expert and steward, is going to share some things here momentarily as he sees the economy, as not only as a pastor, but a very successful businessman and entrepreneur himself. Notice what it says in 1 Timothy chapter 6, beginning in verse number 7. This is an interesting phrase here. It says, we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. <laughs> How many of you ever seen a U-Haul behind a hearse? Anyway, we'll leave that at that. Notice what it says here in verse number eight. It says, having food and clothing with these, we shall be content. Verse number nine, watch this. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts, which draw men men and women into destruction and perdition. So notice what it's saying here. It's talking about, you know, the desire to be rich. And again, there's, as we're going to see, there's nothing wrong with that, but also, when that's your main goal and not the stewardship of what God has given you, then you're going to fall into a trap. Notice verse 10. It says, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. How many we've seen that verse of scripture misunderstood? It didn't say, the, it, notice what it says. It says the love of money. It didn't say money is evil, but it says the love of it, the desire to want to have it above all things. It said it's the root of it. It says what the, this love of money for money is the root of all kinds of evil, which some have strayed, notice this, from the faith in their greediness and proceed themselves through many sorrows. So that's that's the trap that you can get in when you get the money perspective flipped around and you're loving money. Notice what it says, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And I think it's so interesting as it goes back to, again, the verse of scripture up there in verse seven, we brought nothing into this world and we can be certain we take, carry nothing out. That's as far as things physically. 
You're not going to take physical things with you. It's so funny when the pyramids and all that in Egypt, how they, all these people that were buried there, when you study those things, how they had to, they put all their possessions in there hoping that they could take their possessions into the next life. That's not the way that works. What you take into the next life is your relationship with Jesus Christ and also the things you do that are eternal. And we're going to talk about that momentarily. Hey, let's skip down to all the way to number verse number 17. Uh, Matthew, I mean Matthew, 1 Timothy chapter 6. 6 verse 17, it says, command those who are rich, watch this, command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives to gives us all things to enjoy. So notice what it's saying there. It's saying those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty or to trust in uncertain riches, but to trust in who? Who are we supposed to trust in? Let's say it together. The living God. Everybody say it together. The living God. That's who we're to trust in who gives us richly, notice this phrase at the end of verse 17, all things to enjoy. God wants us to enjoy life, not endure it. But again, it's about this healthy perspective. As you go back up to verse 11, again, I know we're moving back and forth in this chapter, but it says, but you man or woman of God, flee things, flee these things, talking about the love of the world, the love of money. Notice what it says, flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, or separation from the world, faith, love, and patience, and and gentleness. And that's what we're going to talk about. As it says in verse 12, fight the good fight of faith, lay hold of eternal life, watch that, to which you were also called, having confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Again, it's getting the right perspective. And again, I'm not an economist. I'll let Peter share in just a moment about what he's seen with the economy. Again, I've just sensed in my heart that we need to prepare ourselves financially in the days ahead. It's regardless of who's in the White House or in Congress. The challenging times are coming. How do we address those things? Again, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, and I'm not here to talk about conspiracies, about this, that, or the other. I'm just here to hear, to heed for good stewardship, wise stewardship, and the wisdom to take money and put it in its proper perspective, and don't let it control you, but you control it. And again, it, it's all a matter of perspective and making God your source, not your job, not you know your inheritance or whatever you may have or whatever this relationship you may have with family. I mean, listen, it's great to have all these things and your job is very important. You should be led of the Lord as where you work and how the income. But again, I think you also ought to have multiple streams of income, not just one income. That's something that I've worked on in my life from my mentor, Doug Weed, who taught me many years ago to have what he called MS size, multiple streams of income. Again, all to the foundation that God is your source, not just the man that you work for, the company you work for, but God is your source. Turn to Deuteronomy 8.18. Deuteronomy 8.18. Notice this. This is a very interesting verse of scripture here in Deuteronomy. It's in the Old Testament, of course, in verse number 18. And it's again, it's what I want to bring perspective is you making the Lord not only your source, but your provider. Look what it says here. It says, you shall remember, everybody say Remember. One more time. Let's say remember together. Remember. Let's say it again. Remember. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it's he who gives you the what the power to get wealth or to have. And what is the purpose of this wealth? What is the power to get this wealth for? That he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers that it is this day. Notice how powerful that it is. You're to have money. You're to have wealth. You're to have increase in your life, not for your personal benefit necessarily, which is good. But what's the key word there? The comma after wealth is that you may establish the covenant, the thing that Jesus has done for us in the earth. How do we get the gospel throughout the earth? 
Is it just by works? No, it takes money. I mean, I wish sometimes that it was not all about money when you see a ministry trying to do a project overseas, but it's about money. I mean, I've worked some of the largest ministries in America, been associated with them, and it takes money to take the gospel, especially outside of America. It takes money to take the gospel in America, especially on the airwaves and the technology that we have. This church greatly benefited from the time when we were going through COVID when so many other churches in our situation did not have live streaming capabilities, but we as a church sort of foresaw where we needed to go, not necessarily knowing about COVID, but preparing the fact with television uh, production and all that we wanted to do because we knew that at that time would be important to get the gospel beyond this room into a place of using Facebook and the live situation we have with Facebook streaming as we see people today watching this broadcast and we'll watch it later. It takes money to do that. And it takes money and stewardship to also bring a church to a place where you're not under pressure financially. As Peter and I have talked about since we've known each other since 1998, how many peers of ours and how many people in financial situations in churches, we see the churches collapse because of this very issue. There's not a proper perspective on how to handle money, how to handle the wealth, how to handle the stewardship that God has called you and I to. And getting into proper perspective because so many times people, especially churches, think that you can just sort of, you know, do it the world's way when it comes to money. Uh, I don't believe so. Pastor Harold Nichols taught me well as well as, as well as others that, you know, pressing the debt limit is a good thing to do because that keeps your faith high. I don't believe in that. I believe in operating in the peace of God, not operating under the bondage of debt. I believe in, you know, to the place of trying to owe nobody anything but to love them, not being a, you know, bad down to the credit system of debt. And again, that's what we want to do here at Metroplex Family Church and help you because God wants to be your financial partner because he wants to give you this increase. But I like to say it like this, if you can't be a good steward of the $1,000 that you have already, as far as, let's say, for example, one week, how can you ask God for 10000 more? I think you have to start where you are on the way to where you're going. And money is very important. Money stewardship is an actual matter of your heart. When you steward it the right way as far as God's perspective and show that you can honor him, then it opens up the doors for other things. Hey, let's look at Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. This is Jesus, uh, one of Jesus' things about the approach of money and stewardship. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Notice what it says. And Peter, if you'll go ahead and get that microphone, we're going to get you up here in just a couple of minutes here. This is what Jesus says in verse 31. It says, he says, do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? That pretty much covers a lot of things. Look what Jesus says in verse number 32. For all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows you, you need all these things. So what about the things of life? What are we to do with the things of life? Notice what Jesus says here. Look at verse 33. It says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And notice how this, the end of verse 33 ties into verse 32. It says, and all these things shall be added to you because you what? Seek first the kingdom of God. You honor him with your life. You honor him as a good steward of what you have. Being the best of the resources you've given, you say, Lord, this is, this is your hand upon my life. This is your provision upon my life. And I want to honor 
you with it. I want to glorify you and exalt your name, and I want to advance your kingdom in the earth. You know, recently, a precious man of God and his wife last year passed away, which was Ken Bauer, passed away this week and went on to be with the Lord. But one of the things that Ken and Virginia wanted so to do in all their conversations with me, not only did they support the church financially as consistent tithers and faithful givers, but they actually wanted to do something beyond that. And when I drove up this morning to see the the memorial out there, now it is, since his home going, of that flagpole and all that out there, that's, that's their signature of them honoring the Lord. He was a true patriot, serving in the military for 25 years, and he knew that, you know, the America that he loved is the America that we need to see in a greater capacity, but he knows that, again, what we need to do is what we're doing right now is advance the kingdom of God, but he wanted it to start with having a nice flagpole out front because he felt like America was called by God. He's one of the few men, and I have a lot of people in this church family I'm appreciative of, but he's one of the few men, every time I would speak, I mean, regardless of the message, and y'all are so complimentary, I mean, sometimes I just felt like it didn't go over well or I didn't communicate right, but every Sunday he would come up to me and said, man, that was an awesome message, and you said this, and you said that, and you did this, and you did that, and it's pretty amazing. How not just giving of your financial resources can do something for somebody, but your words, your attitude, your action, your legacy. And again, as it goes back to that verse of scripture I left, you know, you take nothing in this world when you were born, you take nothing out. But you know what? Ken Bauer left a legacy. He left a legacy of honor and integrity for the Lord and for this country. And I know that, again, he's in heaven rejoicing with his precious wife, and life there is greater than life here. But the point of this is we need to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness while we're on this earth and not just wait to get to heaven. Thank God for heaven on this earth, that we can leave legacy. We can leave points of remembrance that people will say, hey, this person did this to advance the kingdom of God. And that's what I want with your life. That's why it's so important that we are in a place of being a debt-free church so that we can do things and raise money and pay for things in cash and advance the kingdom of God with no pressure other than people simply honoring the Lord. It's a great way to do stewardship, and you can bring those same principles into your own life. We as a church operate on a budget. We'll operate better on a budget, and if you learn how to operate better on a budget, I promise you, your life will get better when you learn how to be the steward that God's called you to be. Peter Chapman, come on up here. I got some questions for you real quick as we move forward. Now, remember, not only is God your source, but God wants to be the wisdom on how to work in your life concerning the framework of your life. Peter, as you look at the economy right now and where we are as far as a nation, and again, I know there could be a lot of negative things, especially politically and all this, but what's some things that you believe that we could do as God's people to line ourselves up biblically to not only be better stewards, but to be better honorers, if you allow me to say that, of God's kingdom? to honor it in even greater capacity. And by the way, let's give him a hand. He came all the way from Australia <laughs> via Phoenix, Arizona. Go ahead, sir. Go ahead, sir. Go ahead. Well, it's great to be here. How are you guys doing today? <laughs> I love his accent, don't you? <laughs> I don't have an accent. You no, have yeah, an accent. yeah that's, that's what you used to say with me back in 1998. Yeah, when Brian would leave our church, my wife and I would talk to each other and say, you, you. And, uh, <laughs> that's exactly right. <laughs> that's we, yeah, we, we quote Pastor. Brian quite often actually and uh, makes me mad mad. that's exactly right well I was passionate about God I still am and uh, nothing some things don't change but you know even back in 1998 in Chico we talked about how money is very important 
you know, you've been an entrepreneur as well as a pastor and still are, and a landowner and the things that you want to do. I mean, and again, no one knows monitors this economy better than you do, than my opinion. Uh, You're like a Dave Ramsey (laughs) in-house as far as my life. Go ahead, sir. Well, what I see in the Word is, is God makes things very simple. You know what I mean? And like we know, what's the first 10% of our income? The very first 10%, what's that? The tithe. And where does the tithe go? The local church. Local church to the Lord, yeah. What, and then what about the rest? What about the other 90%? That's it. We're supposed to be good students. And what I've been doing the last three years, I've been the CFO for a, uh, a church organization called Patriot Church. So my job was to steward the 100%, but especially the 90%. So we as an organization, we as a church, always would tie the first 10% to, to other ministries. And then the other 90% sort of was my job to make sure that we live within budgets. And a thing which I want to say, uh, first of all, is budget isn't a dirty word. Mm. Budget is not a four-letter word. (laughs) No, it's not. (laughs) It's a plan. That's right. It's a plan to uh, do as best we can with the other 90% what God has given us. Okay, a lot of times we think, well, as long as I tithe, I can do whatever with the rest of my 90%. I can spend it on Starbucks every day. And, um, uh, but no, God's actually watching us. Pastor and I were talking last night, you know, when Jesus, a, a number of times Jesus was watching what people gave. I found it interesting. And yeah. the little widow that gave her two cents, he was watching. How did Jesus know that she gave everything that she had to live on? Mm-hmm. It's an interesting thought, isn't it? It's because it was his regular synagogue. He knew all the church members, you know. But he watches the other 90% of what we do with it. Now, it doesn't mean we have to be perfect. I've made some of the biggest mistakes. I've lost lots of money. But God, and that's the thing I love about Pastor Brian, is he's so encouraging. But God. That's true. And you can make many blunders. Uh, I was uh, just listening to Robert Kiyosaki the other day, um, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. He wrote that book. Yes. And uh, he's lost money many times. The, the last time he lost money, he, he uh, developed this gold mine in China and uh, uh, he took the company public and everything was going great. And two years later, they struck gold. And he said, I was a billionaire for a couple of years. And then the Chinese government came in and seized his mind and said goodbye. And he lost everything, you know, as far as that investment went. And uh, he was no longer a billionaire. But, you know, money comes and money goes. That's true. And like what Pastor Brian said in Matthew 6.33, our trust is in the Lord. Mm. And we're in difficult times right now. And it's, I hate to say it's going to get worse in this next year or so. But God, That's right. and as you're faithful with the first 10%, as you're faithful with the next 90%, and like Jesus said with that woman with the copper, two copper coins, it's not the amount that matters, it's what you do with it. And, and the last thing I want to say, something I've learned from my wife, is about being generous. Mm. Uh, the Bible says a lot about being generous. Generosity, and absolutely. we have people all around us that we can be generous to. And it might be a dollar, it might be five dollars. It doesn't need to be a lot, but it's about uh, our heart. And I know my wife, I know, well, once I had teenagers in my house, I stopped carrying cash. 
<laughs> Dad, you got five dollars? Oh, sorry, love. I'm. Dad, I need ten dollars. I'm sorry, love. <laughs> but I've learned to carry. I need to carry cash again because now my wife says, "Hey, hun, Lord just told me that that server over there. We need to give her twenty bucks." I'm like, well, I don't have 20 bucks. Well, there's my ATM card, run to the ATM. So I right. got tired of running to the ATM. So I now carry cash in my wallet, especially when my wife's around. But I've learned that from her. She is one of the most generous people mm. I've ever met. Yeah. And I, I've now brought that into my financial closet, if you want, that that's an important part of the blessing of God is being generous. That is beautiful. And I like the phrase living to give. We need to be able to, to learn to live to give. It's not just giving to the church. It's also giving other things and, and helping people. It's not just about money. But again, I, th- I want to go back to something that Mr. Anderson and Don Anderson and Richard Moore in the next couple of weeks, they're going to share some more, as I call commercials, about budgeting. I just want to ask you, I mean, people that are not living by budget don't really have direction because if, if you don't know where you're going and how you're going to get there, I mean, it's not, that's not good stewardship. I mean, I, I, and again, please, I know that you're necessarily not the budget of your household as compared to a budget of a company, but still, there are practical things you can learn to outline and do. Wouldn't you recommend that as far as Dave yes. Ramsey and others? To, to Oh, yeah, I love Dave Ramsey stuff. And one thing, you might go, well, I don't make enough for a budget. All right, that's a good point. Or I'm overwhelmed by budget. True. Starting with a budget is, is it's just a plan, remember, and keep it really simple. Say you make $100, okay, first $10 to the Lord, my food, which has had to double in the last year. Yeah. <laughs> but food, and even if you go into the negative on your plan, it's still a plan. That's exactly right. And then you pray, Lord, I'm going to go into the red. Here, you know, I've done that many times, Lord. You see my plan, I'm wearing the red. I need you, Lord. Exactly. I need you, Lord. And so... And so don't hold off on writing a plan, even if it's in the negative. Start and keep it really simple. Even if you only have three or four items mm-hmm. on your plan, your tithe, your, um, uh, your food, your gas, car payments, whatever it is, and just keep it simple. And that way it's... It's the best way to get started. I agree. My grandfather, back in 1959, I was born in 63, I have it in my office, he had a red book about the size of your Bible here, and it was his budget, and it was about 10 items, his personal budget. He owned a business, but he uh, had a budget there, and at the top of it was First Baptist Church. He gave his tithe, and then it listed all the other items and the simplicity of that. And I look at people that don't do that and sort of live from paycheck to paycheck, but my grandfather purposed to give and to honor the Lord. And he also had investments in stocks and all that. And the Lord led him to have certain stocks. And those stocks over time, now this is a process of patience, are producing money. And they're in an account right now that my mother has that one day basically I'll have as she goes on to be with the Lord. My point with all that is he said stewardship years before I was born in a simplistic manner but stuck with it. And now it here's in 2023, I'm benefiting from that. My family's benefiting from that and will be benefit from that, all because a person stewarded that. And also, he wanted also to do one thing with the church. They built certain projects. He wanted to be a part of paying for those projects for cash. 
And I just think, again, it's all about leaving a legacy. It's about setting your life up in a manner with numbers to show God that you can be faithful with this and it'll lead to that. So anyway, praise the Lord. Can I just share a scripture? You please do as we close. Yes, absolutely. What's on your heart? What does it mean when a pastor says, as we close? (laughs) Absolutely nothing. (laughs) Whatever. (laughs) That is true. Well, this this is a vast subject. I mean, again, it's not a subject that I discuss a lot about, but I feel strong about it. Again, I'm not necessarily, we're here talking about giving. We're talking about stewarding. There's a difference. Go ahead. What's on your verb? I love this scripture in uh, Proverbs 6, verse 6. Yes, sir. And uh, it says, go to the ant, you sluggard. <laughs> you love it when, uh, <laughs> isn't that your favorite scripture? Yes. Go to the ant, you, you sluggard. sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise, which mm. having no captain, overseer or ruler, provides her supplies in the summer and gathers her food in the harvest. Yes. How long will you slumber, O sluggard? When will you rise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a folding of the arms. He talks about, you know, being lazy, but basically. Goes to, you know, he's talking about the ant, and it's part of that's about saving. So, you know, you tithe your first 10%, I believe in then saving the next 10%. Right. Because it's scriptural. God wants us, when we, when we have a good time, when may, maybe we get a bonus, you know, from work, uh, just don't go and blow it all, put some of it away, you know, save some of it. We've always tried, not, we haven't always done it, like I say, we haven't done it perfectly. But we've always tried to save uh, every paycheck. You know, we have some amount go for our tithe and some amount automatically just go into a savings account. Because God wants us to prepare and God wants us to have supplies because here's the thing, the poor can't help the poor. Right. You know what I mean? And if God says to you one day, you need to give that person $100, well, Lord, I don't have $100. Why don't you have $100? Mm -hmm. Because you haven't saved, you know? And so we, you know, we keep, Money aside, like I say, my wife's taught me to keep money in my wallet because you just never know when God wants to use you to touch somebody. I mean, we had a situation last, last night, night at our restaurant um, where the table beside us didn't leave a tip for the server. And she was, um, she makes $2.13 an hour. That's right. Did you guys know that? That's what they make in the restaurants? $2.13 an hour. So she depends on her tips. And this family of four just you know, paid their bill but left no tip, got out, and she was really upset. And I hate to, I, I didn't notice, um, but uh, Pastor Brian noticed. And he's like, is everything okay? Did, that, did they take care of you? And she's like, no, they, they didn't leave a tip. Well, well, we made up for that. Oh, sure did. Uh, Pastor Brian and I. And you see, if I hadn't been in the position that we're in, wouldn't have been able to help her. So God wants to use you and so it's good to have save up your supplies in the summer and just put some money aside. I mean, I love my wife's aunt. Annie Val is, is just the sweetest, most loving people. Uh, she's a seamstress. So she sews cash into her curtains. Oh, wow. So she keeps some money in the bank, but most of her money is in the curtains of her house. <laughs> oh, my God. So she's like, when I pass away, keep the curtains. (laughs) (laughs) Amen. Amen. All right.